This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. It's a vehicle to achieve something that has to happen if, uh, unlike uh, Dr. Pete Crowcamp, we don't just want to pack up and leave. This is our home. This is where we grew up. We plan to stay. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. We love it. And um, let's, let's dig our heels in and um, in a peaceful and legal way uh, push for a referendum to take back our home simply be a matter of time before the social pressure, just like the apartheid government collapsed, the social pressure would eventually build to the point that uh, if not directly after the referendum, five years after the referendum, who knows, we would eventually get our independence. It's, it's a long-term end goal, but we have to be pushing in that direction. My name is Jim. This is Jim Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. Yeah, that was a bit of a blast from the past. That was at one of the libertarian conferences where I was asked to give a presentation. And uh, yeah, it was a wonderful weekend. Of course, the message is still the same. It's been the same for 14 years. Um, yeah, when the Cape Party, now Cape Independence Party, was started in 2007, uh, we saw the writing on the wall. We saw where the country was going and people called us crazy. And uh, now in 2021, we're not so uh, we're not so crazy anymore. In fact, uh, Cape Independence is now, I would say, a mainstream idea. The, the seed has been planted. Absolutely right. It's uh, I think it's it's an idea whose time has come. Uh, we obviously would have hoped it would have come a little bit sooner because mm. I think there's we're now dealing with so many different issues in this country um, that Cape Independence is now just one of a basket of things that uh, we need to to achieve and address to overcome some tremendous uh, dictatorial, tyrannical, and oppressive uh, policies that we're living under. So, um, what the Cape Independence Party intends to do is is solve two problems. We have two problems primary political problems in this country. The first is the ANC on a national level, and the second is the DA on a provincial level. And just as the ANC is unaccountable on a national level, the DA is unaccountable on a provincial level. And the problems that the ANC and the DA uh, give us have both local and an international dimension to them which we've seen in the last year and a half, which we can unpack later. But uh, we need to be aware of what that problem is. The problem is not just the ANC. The problem is also the DA. And uh, we intend to offer a multiple, uh, a multi-parcel solution, if you will, that will address the centralized uh, authority of the ANC and at the same time get the DA underneath 50% to hold them to account to push forward the types of issues which we feel need to be pushed forward here in the Western Cape. And I think that so many people in the Western Cape and in South Africa in general um, have a dog in this fight and, and, and so much more than that. You know, um, people don't want to have to emigrate. They don't want to have to be forced to leave the country of their birth, mm. the country that they love, to live in Australia or New Zealand. Uh, England, America, you know, these countries have got their own problems. And, um, and, and, and frankly, we can solve all of these issues that we're facing here literally overnight. It's simply a political choice.
people simply need to say, listen, let's open our minds up here. Let's not accept the status quo. Let's take a stand against both the ANC and the status quo that the DA delivers and um, and push for a referendum on Cape Independence. Basically, when we were founded in 2007, we we actually had a, a long debate about what our name should be. And, and Cape, it was between Cape Independence Party and Cape Party. And, uh, you know, for a long time, we thought that something more general like the Cape Party would capture the varied policies that we stand for because independence is actually just one of the policies that we stand for. But I think we've got into a point now where we needed to stick our flag in the ground and shouted loud and clear mm. a vote for the Cape Independence Party equals a vote for Cape Independence. So uh, we just uh, merged basically our roots and uh, we've had a, an overwhelming response from, from the public who are very much in, in support and in favor of, of the branding. And, uh, and I think we're gonna do very, very well in these upcoming elections. Do you think, do you think that there is a desire now more than ever for, for, for sovereignty? No doubt, um, absolutely no doubt. I don't think a year and a half ago, we'd be thinking we'd be sitting in the scenario that we are in right now. Um, Admittedly, it's an international um, issue. Certainly some countries around the world have handled this better than others. But uh, the levels of oppression and tyranny that we're facing in this country is, is, is unheard of. It's absolutely insane. So I would have said in 2019, uh, beginning of 2020, that we had a number of issues uh, which uh, I'm sure we'll chat about this evening, the Division of Revenue Act, the amount of taxes that we're losing, corruption in the ANC, um, racism in the form of quotas, Black Economic Empowerment, uh, Employment Equity Act, um, land expropriation without compensation, goodness, the list goes on and on. Those are still issues that we deal with today. But now, laid upon all of those things, mm -hmm. we have these tyrannical lockdowns um, the threat of mandated vaccines. I mean, the fact that we're even talking about this, that this is even a discussion point, that the government or businesses can have the authority to stick a needle inside you um, against your uh, your will is, is, is outrageous. It's absolutely outrageous. And then obviously the next step down the road would be the vaccine passports, which is basically a legitimization of, um, of medical apartheid. We'd be creating a two-tier society, the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. Um, and instead of having signs around the country that go slechs blancas, uh, we'd have signs uh, going slechs unvaccinated uh, or slechs vaccinated. And um, it, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. So that is certainly the most imminent battle that we at the Cape Independence Party are fighting, coupled with uh, all the other... Uh, political uh, dimensions that this country is facing. Does the Western Cape want to be independent? You know, we did polling a few years ago, and um, and we touched on this a little bit earlier, but um, it, it's so heartening to see how many other groups have joined us in this fight for Cape independence. And, um, you know, we're, we're brothers in arms in this battle, and um, you know we're approaching it from different angles, but uh, certainly one group that's done tremendous work in gathering statistics and data on this issue is the Cape Independence Advocacy Group. 
they just released uh, just recently released a poll which showed that um, the majority of people in the Western Cape, regardless of, uh, of race or uh, uh, culture, is in favor um, on having a referendum on, on Cape independence. So this is an issue that is absolutely mainstream. It, not only is it mainstream, it's the majority position. Obviously, polling gives us a good sentiment uh, um, understanding of, of, of where people's views are at. And the next angle of attack, we would say, would be the political angle of attack, which is why the elections in three and a half weeks is so critical. Uh, we need people to come out in force uh, in support of the Cape Independence Party. Uh, we are a vehicle to deliver a multi-pronged attack, not just to the ANC, but the entire political system of which the DA is a hurdle which we need to overcome. And the key to getting not just Cape independence, but dealing with a lot of the centralized oppressive policies that we're facing is getting the DA underneath 50%. It is absolutely critical that the DA gets underneath 50%. At 49, 48, 47% with the Cape party at three, four, 5%, the ACDP at three, four, 5%, the Freedom Front at three, four, 5%, et cetera. We then have the power to sit around the negotiation table with the DA and say, listen, we're not going to support your uh, vaccine mandates. We're not going to support uh, your push for, for vaccine passports. Mm -hmm. We're not going to support the Division of Revenue Act, which you um, have complied with for two decades now, which robs us of direct access to 75% of our taxes. We are just not going to accept it anymore and we will not give you the mayorship we will not give you the premiership we will not give you the majority unless you give the people of the western cape a referendum on these issues and you negotiate with the national government on these issues to decentralize power to the western cape let's go through some of the numbers here mm. i've got the 2019 and the 2016 elections so in the 2016 uh, municipal elections which is what's coming up uh, now, in Cape Town, and let, let me just preempt what's going to happen in the coming weeks. The DA is going to um, fire up their political machinery, and they're going to spread the lie that if you do not vote for the DA, the ANC is going to get in. And they're going to put this on every single lamppost and every single radio station, every single news station, and it's a blatant lie. And they do it every single election, and people fall for it. So let's go back a few years. In 2016 in Cape Town, the ANC got 24%. The EFF got 3%. <laughs> Together, the ANC and EFF were sitting on uh, 27%. Um, you know, it's an absolute no-brainer. The DA got 66.6%. Uh, in that election, a two-thirds majority, unassailable lead, and they were they were saying that it was too close to call in that election. In 2019, in the provincial elections, the ANC got 28%, the EFF got 4%, and the DA got 55%. So there again, collectively, we have the ANC and the EFF sitting on 32%. They do not have they do not have a chance 
uh, of, of getting into uh, the Western Cape or the city of Cape Town. It's just a statistical impossibility. So what people need to uh, feel at ease with is that there is zero chance that the boogeyman in the form of the ANC and the EFF and Azarpa and the PAC and all of these African nationalist parties together barely get above 30%. They barely get above 30% here in the Cape. So the DA uses the fear that many people in the Cape have against uh, these types of African nationalist parties. But what we need to realize is that the real threat to democracy and decentralization here in the Cape is actually the DA. The DA has had a two-thirds majority or an unassailable majority in every single election in the Western Cape and Cape Town over the last decade. And that is the stranglehold that we need to break. So people can sleep easy knowing that you don't, DA voters don't wake up on election day and go, you know what, I'm no longer a DA voter. I'm going to vote ANC. Or I'm going to vote EFF. If you're a DA voter and you are disgruntled and disillusioned with the direction that the DA is going in, you go, hmm, I can't vote for the DA anymore, and I'm going to vote for either the Cape Independence Party or the ACDP or the Freedom Front or a party like that. So there's zero chance of any of these extremist African nationalist uh, political parties getting into the Cape because they just don't have the electoral support. So so that's, that's the key here. Um, if we can get the DA underneath 50%, then all of a sudden an entire window of opportunity opens up to negotiate with them and push forward a whole plethora of issues which we need to have addressed. What people need to, to realize is that uh, political climates change. Mm. And, um, you know, the ANC got nowhere for, uh, for half a century, you know, mm. uh, before they were successful. And um, Nigel Farage and, and UKIP, uh, the UK Independence Party, got nowhere for decades as well. So there's a certain, there's a breaking point in history when the issues become so uh, insurmountable that even if you're a party like ourselves that don't have the funding that the ANC and the DA has. So the ANC, I spoke to my, my friends in the DA in the last elections, and they had a budget of 1.2 billion rand. The ANC had a budget of 2 billion rand. You know, <laughs> to wrap our minds around these numbers, we're talking about a billion with a B, you know, and, and we at the Cape Independence Party, we literally, we survive on donations of 100 rand, 200 rand. Uh, we got a beautiful donation from someone a few days ago for, for 10,000 rand, you know, uh, uh, bless his heart. You know, these are the types of donations that really make a huge difference. Help us get posters on polls. Help us get social media ads out there. So, so um, I think in this election, we, we're going to see a shifting that we haven't seen before. And I think that the groundwork that the Cape Independence Party has laid over the last 14 years, now coupled with the, the mainstream adoption of this idea with groups like the Cape Independence Adv Advocacy Group and the ULA and Cape Exit RSA and the Sovereign States of Good Hope and King mm -hmm. Kubaha and, uh, and USAF and all these various organizations which are now promoting Cape Independence, it's, it's an idea whose time has come. And I think we're going to see the Cape Independence Party um, capture that sentiment. And uh, we're hoping that a significant percentage of the uh, over 
50, I think it's around 56% of people in the Western Cape who want a referendum on Cape Independence. We're hoping that a significant chunk of those people vote Cape Independence Party. And, and I've said this uh, for many years, I've got very good relationships with uh, the Zulu Nation, uh, with the Abu Tembu in the Eastern Cape. Um, I'm quite familiar with um, desires for, for autonomy in the north of the country, the Tswanas who feel that uh, the standard of living is better for the Tswanas living in Botswana. Um, secession is an idea that has roots throughout South Africa. And that's because South Africa isn't actually a natural country. And you just need to look at the name. South Africa. It's a geographical location. It's a, it's a compass point on a continent. And it was, given, it was given to us by the British Empire in 1910. They declared that uh, we should be a union. And in 1910, um, they gave us the name the Union of South Africa to consolidate the diamonds in Kimberley and the gold in the north. So, uh, so um, what Cape Independence means for the rest of South Africa is, is profound. And, and frankly, I think that the Western Cape might not even be the first territory that goes independent. Um, from what I'm hearing, the, the Zulus in KwaZulu-Natal are very unhappy with the direction that the ANC is taking the country. Um, there's a tremendous threat to the Ingonyama Trust, which is um, the tribal land of the Zulu people. And um, and if that if the if, if there's a continuation of these of the ANC's centralized communist policies, I think we could see the whole of South Africa. Uh, return to its its um, its indigenous roots far more quickly than than we can even imagine. South Africa, you know, it it has to be probably the most unoriginal name for a country ever. I mean, it's like guys, let's not even bother coming up with the name. It's let's just name let's just name it according to where it is. I'm trying to think now. Can you think of another country that is literally its location? It, it, exactly, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, just think of a of a country called South America. South North America, America, no, there's North America. No, no, those are regions, though. Those aren't countries. That's, that's exactly. but but South Africa is literally a country. <laughs> no, and it's been a farce from the beginning. You know, the British Empire controlled us from from 1910 to 1948. Mm. The apartheid government from 1948 to 1994, and the ANC regime from 94 till now, and it hasn't worked under any of these centralized systems. So. You know, this is something we've said. We're not just opposed to the ANC regime. We're not just opposed to the apartheid government. We're opposed to the entire political system, which we believe in itself inherently creates these types of dictatorial governments, where regardless of the skin color, the language group, the ethnicity, uh, the belief system of the state, it, it invariably results in the oppression of one group over another. And, uh, and that's what uh, Cape Independence would, would solve and certainly decentralization for the other provinces too. What does an independent Cape look like? We really do hope that the Cape Independence Party becomes redundant. And, and we hope that most political parties, in fact, all political parties become redundant because the old political systems have failed. They just don't work. And in today's age where we have blockchain and smartphones and things like this, to think that we can't have grassroots governance on a cell phone application where you can take a photo of a pothole or you can report a crime or you can address issues in your community and have that um, have those issues put forward on an app. There's a clear, uh, um, a clear treasury record of taxes that have been collected in that community. The money gets allocated to resolving that problem. And there we go, problem solved. 
Um, we don't need governments the way that we have them today. And they become these monolithic, cancerous entities which just destroy society to their own benefit. And uh, frankly, to to power centers, which, um, you know, this is something we're facing in the country right now. It, it's much easier to, to bribe 200 politicians to push forward policies which benefit, let's say, a pharmaceutical industry than it is to try and convince each individual citizen living in a community that they should um, allow a certain policy to go ahead. For example, fracking in the Karoo. If you were to, to ask the people living in the Karoo, do you want fracking? They would all say, well, the majority would say no. Whereas uh, in our current system, um, those companies which benefit from fracking, all they need to do is bribe a few hundred politicians in, in the ANC and, and this issue gets forced through regardless of the, the will of the people um, who live there. So so we would love to see uh, political parties um, completely change the role that they have. In fact, uh, we don't even know if political parties would be necessary in an independent Cape. We'd love to see direct politics, a direct uh, route between the will of the people and the administrative body that implements those policies that those people want to see. So. Um, and we shouldn't have elections once every five years either. We should have elections every day if need be. Um, you know, politicians need to be held to account on a regular basis. And uh, we often see politicians, uh, you know, coming out and offering all sorts of um, good things and grass gets cut and, uh, you know, houses get built six months up to an election. And then after the election's over, everything returns back to its state of decay. And uh, we intend to change that entire political system. We want to see an independent Cape that's built on grassroots democracy, where communities themselves have direct control over the policies that they live under, uh, how their taxes are spent. If uh, politicians step out of line, we believe that there should be something called a recall, which, um, which puts those politicians up for uh, re-election. And uh, if they're found guilty of crimes, they should uh, face jail time. So uh, we absolutely, absolutely want to invert the centralized political system mm. and uh, return the power down to local communities. We're actually not very reliant at all on, on the central state. And in fact, uh, one of the key issues that we've been fighting for over a decade now and uh, the amount of requests we've put forward to the DA for them to fight this and they just don't do it is the Division of Revenue Act. And it gets worse and worse, worse every single year and uh, what the Division of Revenue Act is, the amount of taxes that each province pays to the National Treasury, which is controlled by the ANC. And here in the Western Cape, every year we pay about 200 billion rand in taxes. The ANC National Treasury allocates back to us a mere 50 billion rand on our local and our provincial allocation. So we are losing direct access to 75% of the taxes that we generate here. And, and a number of those taxes are controlled by something called conditional grants, which the national government dictates how that's spent. So if we were an independent country, we would immediately, without even changing these bad communist policies, we would have direct access to four times more revenue than we currently do. So we could cut taxes in half and still have... Um, twice the amount of revenue that we currently do to address all the various issues that we face here. So water, electricity, housing, 
um, infrastructure, we would be able to resolve these, these issues uh, uh, very rapidly. I well, mean, I mean we, we'd be like the Switzerland, we'd be like the Switzerland of Africa or the Singapore of Africa. We'd be a, a tremendous, tremendous country. And uh, you look at countries like Switzerland and Singapore, which actually have very little natural resources. You know, Singapore was a muddied island and Lee Kuan Yew took them uh, from the 1960s mm. to today to being one of the highest incomes per capita, lowest unemployment, highest standards of living. So um, you don't need to have gold, you don't need to have diamonds. And, uh, and we're so well positioned uh, as a trade route also. So um, no, we would be a tremendously prosperous. Country. If Cape Independence isn't a realization, in our lifetime, what would what would you settle for? Well, we've we've often said to some of our detractors that you don't necessarily need to be in favour of Cape Independence to vote for the Cape Independence Party. What we offer is the only ace up our sleeves. We are the only political, or rather, we have we're the only political party with the vision that can actually hold the national government to account. Uh, the DA claims to be the official opposition, but in 27 years, what opposition have they, have they been towards the ANC? Absolutely nothing. If the ANC wants to push forward uh, quotas um, and employment equity, which discriminates against 70% of the Western Cape population, the DA can't stop it. If the ANC wants to uh, push forward expropriation without compensation, the DA can't stop it. So they are no opposition. They have token opposition. And so those people who maybe are leaning towards being DA supporters um, and aren't in favor of complete Cape independence, what they should realize is that what a vote for the Cape Independence Party does is it puts something on the table that hasn't existed for 27 years mm. and that is a bargaining chip that we can hold the ANC to account on and say listen you better stop your expropriation without compensation you better stop these racist policies against 70 percent of our people and you better you better uh, take our concerns into account Otherwise, we're left with no other option but to push forward for a referendum and declare the Cape an independent country. So we, we, don't, we don't even need to go the route of making the Cape independent, an independent country, even though I believe that is what we uh, will probably ultimately have to do. But if the ANC come to their senses, then they will negotiate with us and pull back on a number of these issues which have plagued the Cape for 27 years. So we would actually make the DA a stronger opposition and there's so many different ways to skin this cat and uh, you know I'd, I'd like to add decentralized uh, finance to this and, and mm. decentralized economics so what we're seeing in the blockchain and cryptocurrency space is incredibly exciting and it's, it's a way for people to take control back of their financial lives and uh, what we're seeing communities that that simply bypass the failed centralized state and take it upon themselves to fix the potholes uh, uh, in their roads and educate their own children and handle their own security through neighborhood policing and things like that. These are the, are the steps that we can take to, uh, to literally bypass a failed centralized state. So I'm 100% in support of what organizations like Afri Forum are doing, which is pushing greater self-determination on a community level 
and um, and I'm and I'm very much in favor of what uh, uh, the cryptocurrency and decentralized communities are doing in coming up with all sorts of amazing ideas to uh, to democratize the way that we make decisions, business decisions, and and ultimately the way I think government should run in the future, where we don't need politicians anymore. We can actually handle a lot of these issues through a cell phone application. And um, and so I see the Cape Independence Party as one of the vehicles in a varied attack against the failed centralized state to return power back to the local community. And uh, and so, yeah, we're going to fight it from the political front and the legal front. Um, but we're certainly in favor of uh, all sorts of alternative means to to achieve the same goals. But all you know, all you need to do now is turn on. Uh, uh, SABC and uh, even the even the state-run media is going to present you a picture that uh, if you didn't think Cape Independence was a good idea 14 years ago, well, you're going to think it's a great idea right now. All you need to do is look at what happened in KwaZulu Natal a few weeks ago, oh, yeah. and uh, the, the riots and massacres that we saw there. And if people don't want what happened in KwaZulu Natal to happen here in the Western Cape, then uh, the Cape Independence Party is the vehicle to make sure that that doesn't happen. Governments, they, they try to hide this fact. Uh, you know, communist centralized states are a cancer on all of the territories which they uh, stick their tentacles into. So um, not only would this benefit the Western Cape, but it in fact would benefit uh, all the other provinces. Because what you would do is you would shorten the distance between community and administrative layer. And um, there was a study done in, in America on this. It was a fascinating study. And people consider America to be a well-run political system, certainly better than, than African countries. And in the States, for every $100 that was paid to the taxman, $5 actually ended up being spent on local issues and uh, resolving issues that the community needed addressed. So even in a well-run political system, that is centralized, you have tremendous wastage and uh, tremendous centralization, tremendous corruption. And so the amount of value that is lost through a centralized state, when you reverse that by decentralizing power down to local communities, you get a far greater return and a far greater bang for your buck when it comes to taxes and how those taxes are spent. So absolutely, if you remove the, the, the cancerous um, uh, centralized control of the ANC government and uh, the way that they have their hands in the, uh, uh, the ticky, uh, you know, the, the, the piggy bank and mm. the feeding trough of the country, um, we would see all the provinces, I think, benefit tremendously from a decentralized political system. As I mentioned earlier, driving the DA underneath 50%. This is what we all need to realize. The critical juncture point where the DA goes from being unaccountable to being accountable is when they tip below 50%. As soon as the DA goes underneath 50%, they become accountable. They become accountable either to the Cape Independence Party or some other political party that they need to negotiate with in order to get their way. So this is the key. And the lower we can get the DA, the better it is. If we can get the DA all the way down to 40%, that means they're going to have to negotiate with a number of different parties. Um, 
or hopefully if the Cape Independence Party can fill whatever that gap might be, then uh, then we can hold them directly to account on all of these issues. So that really is the key. We can do nothing. If the DA is sitting on 50.1, we're helpless because then they have a majority and they'll do what they've done for the last two decades. If they're sitting at 49.9, all of a sudden they've got to consult and negotiate with some other political party. So the lower the DA can get, the greater accountability we can hold them to. That's the second propaganda lie that we've heard from the DA for the last two decades. So the first is if you don't vote DA, the ANC is going to get in. The second is that the reason uh, the CAPE is so good is because of the DA. Well, well, frankly, the reason the CAPE is so good is because of the people who live in the CAPE. And, you know, when people drive through neighborhoods and they see, uh, you know, beautiful, um, clean streets and... Um, and bushes and uh, plants and etc. You know, a lot of these things are actually done by the communities themselves and uh, community neighborhood watches. And so the Western Cape has always been a fantastic province, has always been a fantastic place to live. And, uh, you know, prior to when the DA wasn't even in control here, uh, Cape Town was always an incredibly sought after place to live and, uh, and always had a standard of living that was... Um, uh, uh, very comparable and, uh, you know, one of the best in the country. So the DA simply inherited a province that has always worked exceptionally well, um, a people that are incredibly politically engaged, community engaged, and uh, and they are reaping the benefits of that and taking credit for it. We need to break out our, out of this old era where we are reliant on governments to make decisions for us and control our lives and and perhaps never more so than right now uh, the amount of authority and power we've allowed governments to get away with is absolutely unacceptable and the only way that we're going to break out of this is by communities taking back control over their own communities putting their foot down and saying no we're not going to accept this we're not going to mm -hmm. put up with it and um and i think we need to realize how much power we have you know, the government is our servant. A government is broke. They have no money of their own. Yeah. Every single cent that a government spends, they take from us, the taxpayer and the voter. We elect them to do a job for us. So if we don't feel like they're representing us uh, effectively or the way we uh, would like them to, then we can take some serious action to hold them to account. And taxes is certainly one. Voting is another. Um, we plan to be that vehicle to to drive into parliament, drive into government, and and shake things up and hold them to account. And um, and there's a number of things that communities can do to to wrestle power out of the hands of the state and um, improve improve uh, people's lives. To, to even think that a government should have the authority. Um, to determine what we should put or not put into our, our own bodies is is outrageous. The, the concept itself is, is completely beyond uh, what I believe we stand for at the Cape Independence Party, which is freedom. And um, if people want to take the vaccine and they are doing so uh, because of informed consent, they're, they're aware of what's in the vaccine and the, the effects of it, then that's absolutely their, their free choice. But if people... Uh, have concerns about um, about the safety and the efficacy of it. Um, those concerns are fair and justified, and uh, these people should not be considered any differently to to those who do decide to take the vaccine. 
and um, we cannot allow the country to go down a historical pathway of apartheid mm. in which uh, people are uh, discriminated against based upon personal medical choices. What creates division is centralized entities which benefit from dividing and conquering us ideologically. There's a big difference between actually dividing up a political system and dividing communities. So you have stronger communities in a more decentralized political system. In a centralized political system, you have divisions amongst races, amongst religions, amongst language groups. The apartheid government did it. The ANC regime is doing it. A centralized political system is what creates divisions in society. In fact, a decentralized political system is what creates love and harmony and respecting your neighbor. By far the largest ethnic group that supports Cape Independence is the colored population. And, um, and the white and the black population are, are, are quite similar in their numbers. So, um, no, abs absolutely not. It's, it's, this crosses uh, ethnic mm. um, uh, differences. It, it crosses language differences. It's, this is a very popular idea. 56% of people living in the Western Cape uh, are in favor of this idea. So, so no, that's, um, that's certainly not the reality. You know, if you look at the Soviet Union, one of the most uh, powerful centralized super states that has ever existed, in 1991, uh, dissolved into 17 different countries without a bullet being fired. Uh, you know, Namibia was part of South Africa, and, and they left peacefully. Um, you know, Lesotho and Swaziland, independent countries, and uh, Sudan just a few years ago. Um, the only bloodshed and conflict was when they were a unified state. And, and this is the whole point. It's, it's when you have one group taking over the levers of power and using those levers of power to oppress others that you get violence. So... The amount of violence that we have in South Africa right now, we're in a state of war. We're in a state of war. We've got one of the worst crime rates in the world. So absolutely not. Secession would bring about a far more peaceful society where, uh, where we could finally start to engage with our neighbors um, through, through uh, beneficial trade relationships. You know, we intend to have very good relationships with the Eastern Cape and KwaZulu-Natal and other parts of what will, you know, whatever countries they refer to themselves as. Um, we're always going to be neighbors. So we want to have good relationships with our neighbors. And, uh, and, and, and independence, independence will deliver that. It'll deliver a far more peaceful, harmonious, um, trade-oriented uh, relationship with our neighbors. And the only people that is going to upset is the politicians who have their snouts in the feeding trough. Why are people, so many people, so opposed to this idea? What are they scared of? I would say some of the responses we get from people is that they say they like the idea, but it's never going to happen, which is quite an intriguing response to get. And we actually get it quite a lot. A lot of people say, oh, it's a great idea, but it's never going to happen. You guys are, it's, it's a pipe dream. Um, it's as if those people are, are so disillusioned with politics and perhaps fairly so that they're just, uh, they're too scared to imagine anymore. They're, they're too scared to dream about mm -hmm. a better future because they've been so let down by, by politics. That could be the reason behind it. And, and maybe if that is for that segment of, of people who, who give us that response and say that, no, it's not going to happen. Maybe once we get to the point 
where the reality is now here, and I think that reality is approaching us rapidly, where a date is set, and that's the date when we're going to have the referendum on Cape independence. All of a sudden, that 44% um, and whatever percentage of that 44% feels like, oh, well, it's never going to happen. Right. It's now a, a realistic possibility. So I think we'd see that number significantly diminish and those in favor of independence increase. Uh, so that would be one aspect of it. And I think another <clears throat> another aspect of it is um, is fear of the of the unknown. Yeah, I think and the- and a lot of people don't realize just how much money we're losing here in the Western Cape. They don't know about the Division of Revenue Act. They they still uh, believe that we survive on the gold uh, of, of the Transvaal region, which is just not the truth. It's in fact it's the complete opposite. Um, you know, the South African government is is an incredibly reliant parasite on on Western Cape revenue. So we we would thrive. What happens, Jack, after a successful referendum? So how this works is um, basically there's there's three primary legal uh, documents which South Africa is a bound signatory to. Obviously, the first is the South African Constitution, um, and Section two three five guarantees our right to self determination. So that section would obviously um, that would most likely be put to the constitutional court. The the next layer would then be the multiple charters in the United Nations charters which guarantee the right to self-determination and the multiple charters within the African Union uh, charters which guarantee our right to self-determination. So those three legal bodies would uh, then be called upon um, to validate a democratic referendum in which 50% or more voted in favor of making the Western Cape or Broader Cape an independent country. And then following that, uh, the next step would be to get recognition from our international partners. And so that would simply take any states to acknowledge the uh, democratic process in which the majority of people uh, um, who voted in a Western Cape referendum voted in favor of independence and they recognized our statehood. We would then become an an independent state. So it it only takes one other state to recognize us. And then following that, we would obviously begin the process of negotiating trade agreements with various countries around the world and beginning our beautiful mm. pathway of uh, developing as an independent country. What is required in order to get that referendum? Again, I'm going to say that the stumbling block to us getting a <laughs> referendum and getting independence is that bloody DA. I mean, they are the stumbling block. It's not the ANC. The DA has the majority in the Western Cape. They control the premier. The constitution states that a premier has the right, the constitutional powers to call a referendum. So right now, as we sit here, Alan Windy could call a referendum on Cape independence, but he won't. And so how we force them to take us seriously, to take the 56%, which will probably be higher in the coming months and and years, to take the majority uh, desire of the people of the Cape and to turn that into a referendum on Cape independence, we need to hold the DA to account. And until the DA is underneath 50%, 
They are going to continue to do what they've done for the last two decades and believe that they are ordained to govern us uh, for eternity and uh, to behave in an unaccountable manner. And when voters take their vote away from the DA and give it to an opposition party who intends on holding them to account, like the Cape Independence Party, that is how we force them into a corner to say, ha, now you're at 47% and you need 4% uh, from someone to, uh, to govern and we'll let you govern, we'll give you the majority, but we want referendums mm. on this and that, etc. The CIP becomes the, the, the primary party in the Western Cape. What does that mean for, for you? I mean, how would you, how would you govern? Well, that's exciting. That's, that's really exciting. I mean, we, we would then have the possibility of changing the political system entirely. So we would, first of all, uh, put forward a referendum to uh, declare the Cape an independent country. Um, we believe we would get a majority in that referendum. We would then take that document, that mandate, and we would then begin the process of negotiating our independence with the South African government and with other governments around the world. And uh, we would now have the most powerful bargaining chip you could imagine. We now, we now hold all of the keys. We're no longer going to the ANC with a begging bowl. We now hold all of the keys. As soon as we get 51% in that referendum, we can literally bargain and negotiate anything. So from that position of power, uh, we would then push for a decentralized political system uh, we, we believe that the political system that they use in Switzerland is incredibly effective. It, it saw a country with uh, French, Italian, um, uh, uh, French, Italian uh, uh, and German speakers who were fighting each other in World War I and World War II uh, live peacefully side by side through these incredibly violent and turbulent times in Europe uh, simply because of their decentralized political system. So we would want to see the, the Cape um, power, tremendous powers given to local communities to decide what language do they want to teach uh, in their schools? What types of policies do they want to live mm. under? How do they want their taxes to be spent? And it's not a one-size-fits-all. This is the key. So in certain uh, cantons or municipalities, you may see the majority population voting in favor of the death penalty. And so you'll have certain municipalities where the death penalty will be law, others where it won't be. And you'll then have a competition of ideas. Yeah. And uh, soon enough, as time passes, you'll see, well, in these five independent uh, uh, municipalities you, uh, where there is a death penalty, the crime rate is this percent. It's yeah. incredibly low. Whereas where there isn't a death penalty, crime is out of control. And so now all of a sudden you can have constant referendums adapting your policies to suit the best pathway forward. And it's so very this federalized. Is how, absolutely, absolutely. Mm. So that is really the vision that we have. So if, if we had the majority, if the Cape Independence Party was the majority party in the Western Cape, that is the type of political system that we would implement. There's a crystal ball in front of you. What do you see? I believe that we are at an unbelievably pivotal fork in the road 
for the future of humanity. And we can go one of two ways. And the power really is in our hands. And if you look at the mess that we're in right now, all of it has been created through voluntary compliance. Voluntary compliance. People have accepted these lockdowns. They've accepted ANC corruption. They've accepted an unaccountable DA. And we're being pushed to the end of our tether. And people have a choice. And we can pull ourselves up and we can get out of this mess. And I think if we do, we're going to enter into one of the most beautiful worlds we could ever imagine. I think if we can escape this centralized, tyrannical control that we're living under, the world will not go back to it. We will have emerged out of the fire, out of something so brutal, so oppressive and so painful that we will have the antibodies in us to make sure that that never happens again. And we respect human rights and we respect freedom. And I think the world could become an absolutely beautiful place. But if we do not get up off our knees and say, no, we've had enough, then it's going to be more and more of what we've, we've had for the last year and a half. And um, I hope that humanity makes the right choice. I can see you are trying very hard uh, not to say it. So I'll say it for you. But what you, what I think you're trying to say is stop being so compliant. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't have said it better. Absolutely. And, you know, we've always been fighters at the Cape Independence Party. We, we're not one to comply. We're not one to, to lie down and uh, take a knee. We, we're going to fight this. And uh, um, if people would like to, to see us fight on their behalf, um, you know, we certainly appreciate their support and uh, we intend to do everything we can to uh, put an end to, to the corruption, the incompetence and the tyranny that we're currently living under. We're contesting throughout the Western Cape. This is the first election where we're literally in every single district and uh, pretty much every single municipality throughout the Western Cape. So if you live in the Western Cape, uh, barring about five or six municipalities, we're contesting in every single one. Uh, so yes, you can you can vote for the Cape Independence Party slash Cape Exit in any one of those municipalities uh, throughout the Western Cape. Um, however, if you don't live in the Western Cape, uh, we I had a very lovely meeting with uh, Reverend Kenneth Meshu uh, a few days ago, and uh, you know we haven't um, solidified anything yet, but. Uh, I think he's a good man, and I and I certainly like what I've heard from the ACDP in in recent weeks. So I would urge people that support us. Yes. If yes. you don't live in the Western Cape, then the ACDP might be a party that you'd like to consider. I wish you all the best, Jeremy. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you as always. Enjoy the rest of that whiskey, and uh, hope to see you soon. If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit supportgerm.com.